Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience here in Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, as tuning in to online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could be with us as well. We're excited to welcome award-winning author Francis Schoonmaker to our program today. Francis is someone that's been able to write stories that are entertaining, but also make you think a bit. That is definitely true with her newest book, Sid Johnson and the Phantom Slave Stealer. We're going to talk to Frances not only about the writing of the new book, but just in time for National Book Month, what it's been like for her to do what she loves in telling stories and to see the response. We also will let you all know how to stay connected with Frances as well. Frances, thank you so much for the time today. Really, really do appreciate it. Oh, thanks. It's great to be with you, and hello to your listeners. Well, Francis, I want to start off with, as I mentioned, uh, October, among other things, is recognized as National Book Month. So we always, when we have an author on the program, especially this month, like to be able to talk about this experience. I mean, you've been able to write these books, get get them recognized, I mean, for your gift of storytelling. What has that been like for you, Francis, to do what you love, but then to have readers that love it too? You know, I am uh, retired as a professor, and one of the things about life as a professor at a research intense university is publish or perish. And so I have a lot of writing background, but I have to tell you that when I piloted my first um, book for kids with um, a couple of different classes and they liked it, I, I don't think I could compare that to any other experience. It was just so much fun. So the, the, whole, the, you know, the whole experience, I'm sorry, the whole experience of writing for kids has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think that's the interesting thing, Francis, is that you do what I think we need to do more often, and you give your readers a lot of credit. I think a lot of times when people think about writing for children, they think they have to dumb things down, you know, and, and not be able to really talk about some what mm-hmm. can be difficult topics, right? But you have not been afraid right. to do that. So I want to ask you, do you think your background helped you in that to realize that they, they're able to understand and appreciate things sometimes more than we give them credit for? Oh, absolutely. And not just my background in, um, you know, directing a, a program uh, for teacher preparation, but um, as a public school teacher, you know, because I had a, a dozen years of experience teaching before I went on to do the professoring part, and I grew up in a family that was very literate. Uh, we had family story until uh, we were all teenagers, and you know, we couldn't schedule a time we could all be together and sit down and hear a story. So, um, you know, those things really make a difference. But you've got to believe in kids. Right. And and I think, too, to to the point about this conversation with you, Francis, believing in yourself, um, you mentioned, of course, the reaction you got uh, from being able to share your work. I mean, could you have imagined, I mean, one of the things I saw when I was prepping for this segment uh, is a picture you posted some time ago on Twitter, uh, finding out that, you know, you had won an award, an international award. I mean, that has to be a great feeling to know that there are people literally around the world that enjoy your work. Could you have imagined that when you started off? I, you know, 
I and I really didn't even think of it that way. I thought of it as that I had a story that had been nagging at me for several years, and I had time to do that story. I had a granddaughter who was eager to, um, you know, <laughs> be my guinea pig, and and then of course because I have this background with research, I I know it doesn't make a great deal of difference to agents or publishers that you've piloted it with kids, but it did to me. And yeah. and I the first place I piloted it actually was in her um, the classroom where she was um, a student, but uh, it wasn't associated with her until they started reading it. And I hadn't met the class. And when she came home and said um, that kids were taking her pencils and threatening to break them if she didn't tell them what happened next, I thought, wow, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, that was really, really, uh, really exciting. And then as I piloted it more widely, you know, listening to kids and and getting their ideas, which, you know, they're good ideas. Uh, right. And kids can do a lot more than, than we give them credit for. So, yes, I'm, I've been excited about um, the recognition, but um, I, I don't think it's <laughs> – I, I think I can honestly say the most important recognition I get is when – a kid writes to me or, or an adult, I do have adult fans and says, you know, I really liked your book and here's why. Well, well, I think that leads us into what you've been doing, especially the past couple of years. So talk to us about, I mean, this particular book that you have now with Sid Johnson, but also kind of comparing it to what you've been able to do with like the last crystal um, trilogy. I mean, what was it like for you to kind of create these characters and families and to put them in these situations, Francis, where, you know, life is happening to them and they're having choices to make? Well, you know, I started with the third book in the trilogy first, and that was the story that I'd, I'd had in mind for quite a long time, and I'd worked on it from time to time, but it just never had quite fallen in place. And and because I locate that story uh, starting on the Santa Fe Chief train, um, you know, I, I finished it, but I knew I, I wasn't ready to let it go. And I decided I needed to work on its backstory. So... Well, if it, you know, you're on the Santa Fe Chief and you're going to go back, um, how far am I going to go back? And maybe I'll go back all the way to the Santa Fe Trail. So I probably because I grew up in Western Oklahoma, I, I thought Santa Fe Trail, and and it was a fantasy, but I wanted it grounded in real history. Um, and when I finished the the trilogy, I had made a promise to several groups of kids and I decided it was time to keep it. And the promise was you know, after those first rounds of piloting, the kids had said they liked it. You know, they, they, wanted, they wanted to follow it all the way through. But then they said, um, would you make your next book a history where somebody goes all the way to California? And that was so exciting because, you know, we don't tend to think that kids are going to be that interested in history, and for them to ask me to make that the next book, you know, there's no way I could not do that. Even if the kids who ask me to do it will be, you know, way past wanting to read it. Um, I took that as my assignment, and so I picked up on a character um, that appears in, in The Black Alabaster Box, the first book in my trilogy, and I think about his backstory and why his family would want to go to California and why on the Santa Fe Trail 
and build a story around that. But I took it as my assignment. <laughs> wow. And and here we are now with Sid Johnson and, and this remarkable family. And, and and I think too. So let, let's kind of we'll talk around this, um, Francis, so we don't spoil anything, of course, uh, for for our our audience. I love the fact of two things. One, that you allow Sid to be someone who actually cares about what's happening in the world again, uh, showing that, that, that you know we we don't give young people enough credit, and they do listen, they do watch, they do observe probably more so than we realize. But I also love the fact that he comes from a family of people who aren't just bystanders in life. I love that impact. So kind of talk about, uh, you kind of gave the, you know, the, the feedback you had gotten about going to California, but how did you decide how you wanted to tell the story? Well, you know, that's a tough one because I, I started thinking, well, you know, what were the things that caused people to want to go west? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there are a lot of motivators. But I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if you had a family who was involved with the Underground Railroad? And that's because, you know, the Underground Railroad has kind of achieved some new recognition and prominence in the last few years. So I thought, well, what if you had a family who was involved in it, who lived in that that kind of border states area um, between Kentucky and, and Missouri, and um, I'm giving away my roots, Missouri, <laughs> Missouri, <laughs> and, and um, you know, and we're actually involved in the railroad, and and you know what might happen to them, and um, what would be powerful enough to make them feel like you know we can't do this anymore if they're really committed to it, that they would just pick up and go west. So that was sort of the beginning of it, and then um, I go on to situate the story on a farm in southern Illinois. It's in 1855-56, just prior to the Civil War and right at the height of uh, the Great Westward Migration. So that, you know, that was how I I made the decision to, um, you know, begin the story with this involvement. And the other thing, Cyrus, I wanted a story about a real kid who isn't that different than most kids. You know, he comes from a family that cares about him. His family hasn't all been killed <laughs> or, or disappeared yeah. at birth. You know, he's not on his own. He doesn't have any superpowers. He's not going to save the world. Uh, but he wants to do what's right. He doesn't always get it right. But he's not able to do anything that kids that you know couldn't do if they were in a similar circumstance because kids are capable of so much more than we often think they are. Right. Such a great point. And I think that's a great reminder for sure. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. Uh, we're excited to welcome Frances, a schoolmaker, to our program today. We're talking to Frances not only about her literary journey, but also her newest book, Sid Johnson and the Phantom Slave Stealer. So I want to talk about these, what can be difficult conversations, though, Frances, because when people, you mm-hmm. know, there are some people very touchy about talking about slavery. Now, there are some people very mm-hmm. touchy about talking about, you know, some mm-hmm. some of the evils that have taken place, you know, in, in our past and, and, of course, the history. What was that like for you to kind of think about as you were crafting the story? Well, I knew I wouldn't be able to please everyone. And, um, and I also recognize that um, when I'm talking about the Underground Railroad and a 
white family involved in this effort to be helpful to freedom seekers, I I risk sliding into that white savior story. And I think that's what people of color resent uh, so much, the, the denying of agency to people who were already denied agency. And so I wanted the story to recognize that even people who were being held in slavery were not without agency. And I wanted to, I wanted Ma and Pa in this story, Sid's parents, to be very well aware that what they were doing was nothing compared to what people went through when they, when they came to them and, and, and moved on trying to find freedom. That, yes, they took a great risk to themselves because it was against the law, um, but their risk was not even comparable to the risk that the people they were trying to help were making. And, and so I, I try to walk that line really carefully because I'm who I am, and that's why I didn't try to do it from the perspective of, um, you know, a boy or girl uh, who is a freedom seeker because, I, you know, I'm in my own skin. But I, what I, I felt like I could do authentically was be inside a, a little white boy looking at this and asking questions and wanting to know how come. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think, too, uh, well, I, a couple of things I would say about that, Francis. One, um, I do think it's uh, that some people can be too sensitive um, to certain things. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, just looking at history, even when I was growing up here in Mississippi, we know that, I mean, there were people that were that were non-black who worked to you know to, to mm-hmm. help those mm-hmm. uh, who were being you know disenfranchised or you know or were being oppressed. So I think um, that is important history to note as well. Um, I, I do also think what I love about what you've done with this book is show the togetherness that you know I, I think so many people have become so jaded and so uh, pessimistic uh, because they don't see things getting better. Even though a book like this, I think. It could be very modern, unfortunately, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, mm-hmm. that what it does show, and I'm curious to see your thoughts about this as a writer, it does show that there are good people in the world who want to do mm-hmm. what's right, regardless of race, regardless of, mm-hmm. of where they are, because they just know right from wrong. Is that one of the things you hope readers take away from this? Oh, absolutely. You know, I want it to be a story about hope and about yeah. kindness about struggling to find better ways of, of uh, being together uh, and I guess we could say of being in the world um, and, and recognizing that none of us is ever going to get it right perfectly. Yeah. But that, right. that doesn't stop us from having that as our goal, of, you know, of trying to and, and being ready to accept the fact that not everybody will see what we're doing as, as the best because often yeah. I think, um, you know, two people trying to do the right thing can be an incredible conflict, but somehow, um, you know, having respect and, and being able to talk and to listen, especially listen, um, I think, I think is just very, very important. And we don't have enough of that, and I think <laughs> I think that is so important <laughs> for sure. So I want to widen the scope out a little bit, um, Francis, for you, and talk about the readers again, because I think for a storyteller, I, I've heard authors talk about what a solitary experience the writing process can be. So it's you know I know it's great to be able to mm-hmm. have that opportunity to hear from readers. 
Talk to us about mm-hmm. that. Is that something that still excites you, being able to hear, you know, no matter how many books you've written, that, that there are readers who will take the time to let you know how that book made them feel? It, it really is important. And, and one of the delightful things is when um, kids will um, make a picture of a character you know, and send it. <laughs> and, uh, oh, wow. I have the illustrations. I, I really, you know, because Sid was just released in September, but right. I have uh, illustrations of characters from <laughs> from the trilogy, and you know, it, it just is. It, it's just fun, you know, to see how they're interpreting it. Um, it is focused on kids. I I do have adult readers though, and sometimes they're readers who who read the book under the guise of wanting to maybe make a good choice for a child or a grand, <laughs> grandchild, which right. is okay, but, you know, who enjoy it too. And, uh, you know, for them to, uh, you know, send a note, um, it, it does make a difference. It's very helpful. I mean, the fact is, I think a writer is also part recluse. <laughs> and, uh, mm, so, yeah. you know, you can bury yourself in your own little corner and just tell your story. But, right. um the feedback is is really uh, really good. Well, I know it's definitely well deserved, uh, Francis. Thank you so much for the time today. Again, everyone, the new book is out now. Sid Johnson and the Phantom Slave Stealer. While you're there on Amazon, of course, make sure you guys take a look at the other books by Francis. And Francis, how can our audience stay connected with you? Well, you know, you can reach me through my um, uh, website, which is fschoonmaker dot com. I know that doesn't just, you know, fall right off the tongue so easily. So uh, probably the quickest way is just that on a search engine, type in Sid Johnson and the Phantom Slave Stealer. And and, um, uh, listeners, you'll find out much more about me than you want to know. And you can contact me uh, directly through my website. I have a contact page, and I do get back to people. I try to be very conscientious about that. I'm also on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and occasionally on Twitter. Okay. Uh, Great deal. I haven't ventured well, into TikTok yet. <laughs> well, well, Francis, I haven't either, so I, I, I totally understand. <laughs> hey, there's there, there's so much out there. Yeah, there's yeah, there's so much out there. Yeah, it is it is hard to keep up with it all. So I totally understand that. But Francis, this has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate you stopping by, and it goes without saying, you're welcome back here anytime. Thanks so much, and, and thanks to your listeners. And by the way, very quickly, I hope yeah. if they do contact me, they'll tell me that this is where they heard about it, because I really enjoy that, too. Oh, good. No, well, definitely, we want to invite them to do that for sure. Again, everyone, Frances Schoonmaker has been our guest. Make sure you guys do pick up her new book. And also, of course, look at her other work as well. And we thank you, our audience, for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Thing as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Then let's go make today amazing. Take care.